This is the Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching Unification, Part 2. I'm Van Velding, and I've seen this episode since it originally aired. I'm Derek. This is my first time seeing this episode. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one, engage. Oh, wow. Gene Roddenberry died again. Yeah, it's a twofer. It's uh, <laughs> it's very unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a little weird that they, they say it twice, but I guess I guess if it's a two-parter, you're technically like a movie, right? You're one one long bit of content. And, and a lot of... This is an event. This is way more Star Trek than that previous Star Trek. <laughs> you know, the game? Come on. There wasn't even Spock in there. And yeah. much less a Sarek. Oh, yeah, there was a Sarek in there. My bad. <laughs> but it was just a Sarek. Sarek is right. on the same level as Wesley. We're getting the recap here. It's throwing me off. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I was wondering when we were when we were watching this, like, should we should we say something about and click the recap button? Um, because I mean, we've talked about this before already, and um, it's hard. I, I don't know if we, you know. Maybe we need to decide what we do with a recap, right? We we get to to Kavada's ear fetish. Which I think <laughs> yeah, is the true. only scene in the original series that established that Data and Picard were going to dress like Romulans and get out of the Romulan planet. And I think that's something, it's interesting to see if when people write these shows, like, okay, it's going to be a two-parter. We need a recap. We should write in here one episode that'll look good in the recap right. in the next episode so we don't have a weird Cleon the whole time the whole time i was watching this recap i was thinking what how how did they decide what to put in the recap because uh the the weird ear licking paint off of data's ears is odd <laughs> yeah um because you know we need to establish who these two romulans are and you're like oh yeah. they're picard and data yeah i wouldn't um, have caught data i wouldn't have caught data as the romulan Unless you, it would have taken me a minute. I wouldn't have recognized yeah. that Brent Spiner was, uh, you know, was Data in Romulan face. Right, right. And uh, and so here, here we have kind of, I guess, I assume a pseudo argument, like an argument Spock might have had with his father, but he's having it with Papa Picard instead. And he brings this cowboy diplomacy, which I don't even know is a real thing. I, I don't think it's a common turn of phrase. I think it's just the thing where they're like, oh, back in your day, you guys almost never obeyed the rules and you did a whole wild thing. And Spock is like, Space Seed is about this. We followed right. the rules all the time back then. Don't <laughs> romanticize the past or see it, or see it as less lawless because there were fewer restrictions. Right. Um, and he did He did kind of almost do like a Vulcan, well, I never. Like he's a cowboy <laughs> diplomacy. Well, I never. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, Spock is being a little uh, off the book here. This secret right. mission to Romulus that's done by him and no one else. And therefore, yeah. is he being like a... Uh, it's like a unit in civilization where you make people your religion. One of the... Oh, like, yeah, yeah. He just kind of converts them. Um, I mean, it seems that way. He, You know, later on, we kind of start talking about, like, uh, they can come to Vulcan ideals and... That's somewhat problematic, you know, but we have, I mean, it, it seems like that is his kind of end game. Yeah. Spock is on a missionary mission to Romulus and he's like, this will bring us unity. 
And I'm like, that's not how unity works. The premise here is that eventually these guys are going to absorb the superior Vulcan culture and stop being Romulans. And that's how we're going to become one people again. And it's like, that's really one-sided, Mr. Spock. Yeah, it's almost as if like Spock has this spirit, he's like a spiritual virus and he's looking, or he has a spiritual virus of some sort and he's looking to be patient zero for the Romulans. Yeah, he's a missionary, that's what he is. Yeah, missionary, that's good. And, and all, all political pretexts aside, that's what he's doing. He's just, um, I was going to say being a Christian in China, but it's a lot harder being a Uyghur in China right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, no joke. So... Again, like not bad from a religious standpoint, but from a political standpoint, it's just weird and untenable. Right. And he, this is kind of where we're about to get into like, hey man, like, why didn't you tell, why didn't you tell anyone at Starfleet about what you're doing? Like, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we're used to this kind of stuff. Like we, Romans on our radar and, um, he's about to say something about, or at least I think he says something about, uh, he puts someone in danger and he doesn't want to do that again, which seems like would always happen. <laughs> yeah, he's like, look, watch Star Trek Six, watch Star Trek Six. I kind of make a boo boo in it, and <laughs> right. I was like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll do that. It's like, yeah, regrets. So, you know, that makes sense, and. You know, if the Federation's like, oh, what, a high-ranking member of the Federation is going to go over to Romulus and maybe not defy Romulan law, but do a thing in Romulus that gets them put into a jail? Uh, Right. Maybe the Romulans don't want us to do that, and it makes us look bad, like it's a covert mission that we initiated. Right. So maybe we should stop him? Maybe we should ask him to stop? Maybe he's planning to interfere in the internal development of another culture? Right. Like... yeah, he just got finished talking about the consequences, and Picard's like, "Hey, your 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 logic escapes me. Maybe you're being influenced by emotions." And um, yeah, he's. Th- this is kind of where we get the nod to like, "Hey, maybe we never s- caught that on screen." Um, you know, a Spock having an argument with his father, uh, but yeah. this is maybe as close as we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, and that is actually the one emotional through line in this episode, right? Is Picard is trying to argue with a Vulcan the way you would argue with a Vulcan. And Sarek and Spock is like, ah, you sound just like my dad. I'm like, yeah, you guys are kind of a monoculture. I'll say there uh, are. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually not hard to sound like any one of you. No offense. Yeah. I'm sorry. Was I banging too many human women during this argument? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Picard in the middle of an orgy. He's like, and as I was saying... <laughs> And Spock's like, wow, it's ah, just yes. like talking with my dad again. It's just like my entire <laughs> teenage years. Because like, wow, we've learned a lot. Um, yeah, it turns out Sarah's just some weird pervert. Well, banging human women is the only way he stands out from any other Vulcan we've known. Wait a minute. I, has, has he banged more human women than Kirk? No, that can't be true. That's impossible. I mean... You know, just like people who don't believe in evolution, we might be underestimating the time factor. Right. Uh, you know, t- time is a powerful thing, Derek. I think maybe just given the drip drop of it, you know, uh, Spock may have uh, no, Spock may have outdone Kirk on that respect. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there, there is 
there is a law of averages to consider. And we don't know how open Sarah, I don't know if we want to go down this road. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this always feels a little weird. So, this already feels a little weird. Yeah, but Spock's relationship with Sarek is uh, at the issue here. And right. that's embodied by Spock's, yeah, this could work. Unification could work. And Picard going, of course, unification could work. But yeah. is it time? And right. Yeah, I mean, sensible person. My understanding is that Romulan, like the different, how we're supposed to read the Romulan Vulcan dynamic is that the Romulans are the prodigal son that that go away and try to make a name for themselves, and the Vulcans are are like the parent that wants the son to come home and everything to be fine. And we, I supposedly get that between, um, you know, Sarek and uh, Spock as well. And because Sarek's dead, because uh, reasons, uh, we want the, you know, we want that kind of pseudo closure. I like this bit about uh, Data's basically going to say, hey, yeah, man, I'm going to break some uh, Romulan and Christian. You want to play? He's like, nah, man, we've been doing that for a year. He's like, I'm an android. So <laughs> I'm better than all of you. No offense. Yeah. It's like, you guys are Cleons. You don't even clean out your mouse trackballs. Also, you have <laughs> <Right>. mouse trackballs. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like he goes, he goes to like a terminal. And is like, oh no, this is where the VHS is. Ugh, and moves over. <laughs> yeah, and so th- this is this is sort of a not a powerful scene, but this kind of like low key illustrates that Data is the unspoken crown jewel of Starfleet. I mean, he's about to <laughs> set three or four macros in here, break some encryption, and then bounce. I mean, I, I can't imagine that, you know, Klingon updates, you know, what their, their capture sheet and said, yeah, let's move data from level eight to level one. <laughs> We're, I kind of went over, but, uh, D- data also uses a human turn of phrase and piggybacking. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a little, a little update thing for data, not update, character development. <laughs> right. Um, also, Kavada yep. here is played by Jimmy James from News Radio. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I think his name is Stephen Root, and he's been in a lot of things. He was in Office Space. He was the stapler guy in Office Space. Oh, neat. Yeah, I yeah. know that dude. Yeah. Anyway, here we are back on Romulus doing yep. spy things. Right. Yes. Um, I am a rando with a flower. <laughs> he, puts a, he puts a flower up and just bows his pocket random because that's less conspicuous than just sending the guy a text message right i was just or just like nodding at him from across the bar or something like that like how is that a custom in romulus where just randos like show up and like hey man what's up looks like uh everything's looking pretty dry here you guys want a flower here you go man peace look at the standing soup store for gay romulan spies it's completely <laughs> innocuous behavior yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, the what is it? Jatin's standing soup store, twenty uh, percent off all spies. <laughs> I just in uh, Spock's like ah, you're you're so closed minded, Picard, and Picard's like no, really, I'm telling you the status quo that you're fighting for. Why? It just seems like it's a real stretch. 
Right. And and we we assume because we like Spock that Spock is fighting for something good. Um but yeah. then when but then when you kind of break that down, he's fighting for Vulcans to be uh Romulans to be more like Vulcans. You're like, "Well, can't they be their own thing?" Like I get it if it's like, "Hey, look, we want to, you know, we'd like to curb their warlike nature." Yeah, okay, cool. Let's 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 get some peace happening on Romulus. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be like Vulcans in order to be peaceful. Yeah. And I appreciate the elements of, hey, look, Romulans did come from Vulcan society. And Deton has this book here and he's curious about it. Right. Um, and that, that seems like one of the authentic moments of this episode that I enjoy. Right. Uh, I, we, don't ever, we don't ever get anything. I mean, I, we get a little bit. Um, but I mean, this dude, uh, this little kid, I expect either to die or to, uh, you know, or to betray them. One of the two. I mean, he just seems, uh, like that's what they're building up towards. Yeah. And, um, I, I think he's just trying to fill us out because this episode is trying to pump us with Vulcan culture and Romulan right. culture, Romulan politics. Yeah. He lends credit to the, this is a real movement. Look, the kids are interested. They do these yeah. newfangled things like read books and play with Vulcan dice. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they're trying to pump that. I don't think they succeed even a little bit. I don't even think they properly invoke the Roman themes of Romulan government that they're trying to because it's so everything's on tiny little sets and it shows. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I guess this is where we learn that the movement only has one Vulcan. And so he's like a uh, Spock is like the token Vulcan that lends credit to their movement. Yeah. And the thing is everyone's so eager to embrace Vulcan culture. And I just feel like they're like, Oh yes, we, the people of this proud star empire who can go toe to toe with you and all of your friends would love, love to learn more about your interesting culture. Right. And it's like, I mean, do they like, do they yeah. go do this? Let's talk about this bar. Uh, oh, the man. seedy bar of Star Trek. What? Okay, find me the Starfleet ship that has cargo nets. What is this cargo net weird vine <laughs> thing going on? Riker thinks he's being right. swabbed by stealing a dude's drink that someone that he already that was already been paid for. Like, what's going on? Someone paid for that drink. It's like, oh, this is this was not liquid for drinking. That's right. brown. Yeah, I, I, I would love it if that drink just was not meant to be consumed by humans, and like he just starts either changing colors or throwing up or just like convulsing or something. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, you want a death stick?" And he's like, "No, I don't want death sticks. Who would call it a death stick?" And she's like, "No, no, it's salt. It's a salt stick." <laughs> it's just, it's just how we, it's just how we do things. If there was a legion of Romans in this room, I would have more sway over them than you would, right? Buddy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like he says, like, well, who says I'm looking for anyone? Like, I don't know, the Starfleet uniform you're wearing? Yeah, <laughs> you're basically you a cop? Space oh, wait, cop. you are a cop. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the only thing odd about you being in this bar, Riker, is that you didn't delegate it to someone else. I don't know, yeah. like Worf, maybe? I mean, maybe. I'm sure that there's some young officers who would be in a place like this, kind of, maybe. you know, as their time off because Star Trek. Is really confused about how its universe works, but uh, not a command. Right. Yeah, like let's let's put all of our highest value, uh, most trained members directly in harm's way <laughs> to oh. solve like whatever we need to solve. 
That's normal. So I do like that he doesn't bring anything to trade with her. Like, nothing. But he is yeah. like, okay, I am actually, by accident, going to give you the one thing that a member of an actual culturally focused post-scarcity society could. Culture and music right. and knowledge of history and things. Something new and novel that enriches your life. Right. And I'm like, that's kind of how this universe should work all the time instead of whenever Riker needs a clever answer to something and doesn't think yeah. at all. Even yeah. I mean, yeah, because we've already seen in an episode they can like, straight up like print jewels and stuff. And he could have came in with like three buckets of diamonds. Like, here you go. Diamonds, diamonds for everyone. I'm buying around. And, but he doesn't. I do like though that he, he makes this quote trade with his jazz knowledge. And I wish that was a more, more of a theme in Starfleet where, where it is. This is the real value here is, is your knowledge and your culture and the things that you've been doing in your off time. <laughs> yeah. And that's. Uh, that's how it should be, and I'm sad that it's not. And now we're back on Romulus. Right. With Proconsul Mission Impossible here. Right. Uh, he's charismatic. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, he before when we saw him, he seemed very, um, I don't know, he was like the heavy, right? He was like, hey, listen, watch out for this. Watch out for this Picard. He's up to something. Yeah. And now he's like all smiles and like, hey, how do you do it? I don't know how to work my fingers at all. <laughs> Because they were selling us the fake out, which is actually double fake out, as we'll learn here. Right. Um, where, you know, he's, oh, he's the bad guy. Oh, now he's a good guy. He's going to yep. jump on top of a couch, go, unification's cool, unification's cool. Right. Yeah, yeah and that's that's the weird. Like, he's like, uh, yeah, hello, fellow Vulcans. Uh, Jolon, <laughs> what, what are the kids saying in the in the Rebel? Jolon True? Is that, is that yeah. I'm a Jolon. I'm Jolon True, just like everyone. And, yeah. you know... If you're if you're part of a contentious movement, and the persons that you're trying to persuade call a meeting with your top guy and is like, "Hey, man, um, let's just dispense with the pleasantries. I'm ready to give you everything you want. How about that? Isn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> like, shouldn't you be a little bit worried? <laughs> They're bad at the spy thing." Yeah, and, and Spock does do, I, sh- I should say Leonard Nimoy does a little pullback here that's completely appropriate for right. a guy who's more than appropriate for a guy who probably read the script yesterday. And right. it's like, okay, there are Romulans. Vulcan's trying to unite them. All right. Uh, Romulans don't want to do that. And this guy said he's going to do that. All right. I got that. I'm Leonard Nimoy. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, don't smoke, kids. And, so, yeah. Yeah. And so, he he's kind of, he has that suspicious face on him and this... Um, this guy's like, hey, yeah, look, I'm a young guy. You know, I know, I know, I know how the kids are doing these days. Just, just uh, go back to your people and let them know that we're gonna, we're gonna let you give a speech. Yeah, good old, big old speech, just out in public with, with no guns or anything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess this is all just so that uh, Neral can conduct art theft on Spock's face and keep him on Vulcan until yeah. I guess like that flower and other things are just like scanning Spock this whole time. But then when she talks about it later, I mean, isn't she, it, she makes it sound like they had the model from the get go. So it makes this whole conversation a little odd, but I guess they really wanted Spock on their side. Yeah. I guess Romulans, despite being so smart and cunning and being seven steps ahead on this and being vicious enough to blow up their own people, just don't have any goddamn information on Spock's psychology. 
Yeah. Hey, it's the time baby Sela. Uh she's the one pulling the strings cuz reasons. I you know, at some point here we're going to need a real antagonist and again Days of Thunder there just isn't going to cut it. So. Right. Like we don't really get a lot of characterizations of Romulans. Like why do they hate the Federation? Why do they want to go to war? I don't like this whole we go to war because we're warlike culture because we go to war and it's like okay guys, like give me something of the reason why you want to do these things. The Bays and the Bolt is filmed in America. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, I like uh, Spock here, you know, saying, hey, yeah, it's not logical that the proconsul is just so into doing this right now. Yeah, I, I think we get these Romulans to be pretty well characterized. This this shouting group of randos, I think, accurately reflects right. the the movement that they are a part of. And right. uh, I appreciate the, the dimensionality of that and the different perspectives that we get in like, you know, 10, 15 seconds of television. Yeah, it, it is not a big scene. Um, it it's it gives you a lot for not a long scene, rather. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I wish we would have had a little bit more of that so they could have really sold this whole movement that's supposed to be happening. Right. Uh, again, there, it feels like there's just a cultural element that isn't here. And yep. again, this show is trying to push at the the limits of what it can do with this format, and it's hitting those limits real hard in places. Yeah, definitely. Like we, it turns out Spock left that whole meeting just so he could have another argument with Sarek. I mean, Papa Picard. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's worth having. This is kind of a talky episode, but I think it's an episode that's worth being talky. At. Uh, it doesn't hurt the pacing for me, but then again, I'm biased. Yeah, I I mean, the pacing, I think, is fine. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it isn't because I want more of, like, selling of the uh, of the movement. But I feel like you could have both. I feel like if, if these conversations happened all the time in the movement with, like, other movement people around them, it could have been, like – it could have been like some sort of rap battle, right? Where it's uh, it's Spock, you know, like you know, land, you know, like speaking to Picard, and like everyone's like, "Ooh, he, he burns you, Picard!" And Picard's like, "Yeah, but Sarek reasons," and it's like, "Oh, damn, he got you." And you could have maybe had both. You didn't have to like seclude them into another part of this cave to have these sorts of conversations. But I don't know. This is part of the. Sarek and Spock talk about themselves and their feelings. Right. Conversation. Which So honestly, I guess it feels more intimate if it's just them two? Yeah. Well, the episode's trying to be like, look, here's Spock. Let's, let's have Spock feel things. Uh, you know, like his dad died and his relationship with Sarek. And none of these people know Spock. So why, do we, why does Spock care about them? Why do they care about Spock? Right. And it's Sarek that's like a very rickety, rusty linchpin holding that together. Right. So that Star Trek fans can be invested in this episode a little bit. Yeah, and, I and don't the, know. Good. I'm sorry. And the big plot is Romulans and Vulcans and this exploded ship and making all that work. But that's honestly not so important as these little scenes right here. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's almost kind of casual the way they just break encryption. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, yeah. And um, you know, here we have kind of Spock and the inverse Spock, uh, kind of talking to each other, right? Yeah, but you know, I didn't think about how they were inverses until Data and Spock literally comment on the tragic irony of it all, right? Um, yeah, I, 
I I feel like I had that that thought before, but now I'm 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 second guessing myself. Um, Fair enough. Uh, everyone expects these two characters to be the same. There's right. a lot of parallels drawn between them, and they right. go, "Actually, no, we're opposite." Yeah, that's whoa. <laughs> you know, they strive for different things. Yeah, I kind of would have liked to. Um, you know, he he brings it out a little bit. It's like, hey, some Vulcans would have loved to be only logical, not have any emotional impediments. But we never really like. There's got to be more to the philosophy than just that, right? Like that's the same line we've been getting given for decades. Shouldn't there be more to that Vulcan philosophy than just emotions? Bad. Um, like how how many natural emotions are Vulcans dealing with, and and why are emotions bad in the first place, and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they're they're basically the equilibrium culture, starring Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> there's just no, like no Sean Beans around here to read poetry at them and unravel the whole thing. Oh man, if there there's got to be some place on the internet where Spock uh, is merged as a gung fu priest or whatever it is <laughs> that Christian yeah. Bale is in that movie. Yeah, um, and you know, for them that works. Uh, you know, to say, hey, look, we're, we are very passionate. We do some really stupid things. Could you imagine what humanity would look like if you were overrun with greedy, vicious, sexually driven assholes? Right. And you're like point Vulcans. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And so maybe that's the, the philosophy is just sort of implied as opposite America. Um, <laughs> I don't know I like opposite this. America, but um, okay. it is good. It's a, it's a fun scene. We get a little bit more of Cleon culture here. Yeah, I did not. I love how much Worf gets into this this opera. Like she can, she's so like, yeah, oh man, can I play Clown Opera? And then a little rustic, but I can do this. And she like is belting it. And Worf is having some like flashback to that morning's training where he was on top of ten bodies soaked in blood. And he's like, yes, Klingon Opera. Yeah, Dorn is selling it. <laughs> I may have joked about Klingon Opera before, accidentally letting this slip. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, a I did real not thing. know. I did not know this was a real thing at all. And I love <laughs> how he starts singing, and this is interesting. I admire Warsh's strength that he just didn't gut him on the spot. Um, yeah, it's a great transition to our actual plot because we get a little character moment, and the yeah. story happened. The story moves forward. Yeah, uh, and like he just he just straight up like evil eyes that dude out of a spot that he wants. Why are they messing with this Zachdorn guy? What has he ever done? Riker stole his drink. Worf was like, I don't even need you to not yeah. be here. Apparently, I'm just going to scowl. I mean, Worf is just realizing that he can't have any fun. He's only there to call down Riker when the mark comes up. Apparently, Worf is, can't be trusted to do this himself. This yeah. very bad intimidation bit. Yeah, Riker's got a razorback murder machine over his left shoulder here. And he's like, I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> <laughs> like this is so good. Like this would have been so much cooler if Worf did it. And I don't understand why you had to station Worf only to call Riker to do this, and Riker doesn't even do it well. He doesn't. Like he's about to. Well, actually, we got to talk about how this this Ferengi gets the best line of yeah. the fucking episode. Yeah, I, because like he's our bad guy, and yet somehow he gets the yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this <laughs> hypothetically speaking, I never. Yeah, how do you give like you got to know that's a good line? I never learned how to speak hypothetical. Like, how do you give that line to him 
And then Riker doesn't even flip the table here. He just kind of shoves his food off, and that's supposed to... Uh, like, did we know this dude's a clean freak, and that's why he's going to give him information in public, no less? I mean, it would have been more cruel to let him finish his seedy bar fish. Right. But, like, Riker shoves it into the guy's lap. He's like, what, what are you doing? Are you trying? Did you learn interrogation techniques from some kind of Alaskan junior high? And Riker's like, yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the napkin he wanted was behind him the whole time, so what the hell? Like, that doesn't even... That doesn't even, like, like it's supposed to be, the line is, take the napkin, throw it on the dude, clean yourself up, you know, you're a mess, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't do that, and it's just so, um, and I, I would have loved it if that was an all-war scene. That would have been so much better. It, I mean, we would have had less Ferengi at the end of it, but, you know, it wouldn't have been a yeah. family show anymore. But, uh... <laughs> It'd be more Ferengi interior de- decorating with all the intestines on the walls, that kind of stuff. Better than the cargo nets, that's for sure. Yeah, it would have been great if he's like, uh-huh, I don't speak hypothetical. And then suddenly Worf just like barrels through Riker and it cuts like the little tone screen for having technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, yeah, and then, and then we get to the bridge and Riker's like kind of like messed up. He's got some blood on him. Worf is like just got this maniacal like battle frenzy. It was like, yeah, so we got the information we needed. <laughs> <laughs> he told us that we can, uh, we now know, I mean, we're gonna, wait, does our story go anywhere? It's like, no, Will, our story doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and that's so... Um, it's unfortunate that they built up this whole, like, parting ways. Like, pop-up cards doing a thing. And, oh, no, Will Riker's going to have to do all this stuff by himself. And so he does... I mean, he performs actions, but they're not useful to the story at all. Yeah, at, at the beginning of the Enterprise thread of this show... They know that a ship got exploded and stolen. And at right. the end, they also know those things, but they're at Galand and Core now. Like, right. Picard figures his whole thing out himself. So, like, what was Riker even doing? Right. He's doing nothing. Yeah. He's giving us Riker like, even, even, even he was Even when he was supposed to, like, stand them down, they all just get, like, blown away anyway. <laughs> it's funny. Uh... So yeah, we get a little bit more of uh, Deton and Vulcan culture, and yeah, he's like, oh, every, he's just useful, and he loves. Look, man, we were shooting dice in the corner. You wanna, you wanna play? Yeah, these, these are, are Vulcan syntax dice. You should not be shooting them. <laughs> They're so unbalanced. Symbaltic nucleus. That's uh, weird. I'm gonna assume that Spock knows more about Vulcan language than I do, but uh, yeah, that's fair. Whatever. I mean, I. You know, I tried to make a Stellaris mod that used the the basic characters of Japanese to help learn it. So, you know, gamify things. Yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. Crappy unbalanced dice, right? And so now we're back. Like, how did he get? <laughs> he's on Starfleet. Like, he's in a Starfleet uniform on Romulus. What's going on? <laughs> like, come on, it's, we're gonna. We got to finish this episode up and we got to be in uniform for it. Right. We got to be <laughs> the out, versions of characters. It turns out Picard, yeah, it turns out Picard just throws the whole spy plot in the garbage because the ears were too itchy. <laughs> I mean, it, it does kind of read that way. But, uh, Picard's like, hey, we got to, 
We gotta move this plot forward a little bit. And Seal's like, just the thing I was thinking myself. Right. Yeah, and so um here we she you know, she Sila's tragic flaw is not that she's like an orphan time baby. It's that she can't help but monologue. <laughs> That's not a bad trait to have in a villain. I guess not. Yeah, the thing is that after her surprise about being Tashiar's daughter, um, yeah. like there's nothing really exceptional about her anymore. Yeah. She's just doing these things. Yeah, and we don't even really know why she's doing it other than Starkly Bad. And I like that. So it's like, Spock, we've been friends for 80 years. And it's like, nah, you, you definitely betrayed us. And it's, and it's like, okay, well, what the hell, man? Like, how does... Like, we're... Was he... He's like, ah, this is my plan. This is what I'll do. I'll wait until... I'll wait. Good. Your contributions have been noted and appreciated. Here are 20 bird bucks. He's like, are those like Imperial credits? No. They're worth less. And... <laughs> It's like, why does he do this? I think there's like one yeah. line in the first half that's like, oh, he's kind of an outsider Romulan politics. Yeah. So maybe he did it to get to the good parties. Maybe he did yeah. it for a sense of pride and accomplishment. I don't right. know. <laughs> we don't know why he does it. He still has a political career of being like an outsider and a man of the people. And he throws all that away to question mark, like to betray Spock <laughs> for reasons. I don't know. And Spock is like, we've been friends for eight years. And I am like, I'm sorry, did you say eight years? 800 years? Because it means the same to me as a viewer. Right. It means you've just told me. You haven't shown me anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm not shocked by this. Yeah, I mean, it It was, it, it doesn't, like, yeah, it's a twist technically, but it doesn't <laughs> have any weight to it. Like, I don't, I don't, After I'm just like, okay, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, was that supposed to be impactful? And Riker gets a text from Picard. He's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem right. Don't seem right. Yeah. Not enough emojis. You guys know how many yeah. emojis Picard uses. And for like, he only texts you. He's like, well, it's not, not, not enough emojis. That guy loves his poop emoji. <laughs> yeah. He embodies the poop emoji. So, yeah, he doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird how he's just like, uh, like he, he's like, we got, we have a, uh, we have some kind of Romulan signal, but it uses the create. The red, I don't know the right coding sequences or whatever, and for, like for no cue, Riker's like, uh, yeah, for no reason in story, right? <laughs> it's data being helpful. So yeah, I was like, I hate writing. Yeah, and it's funny too because he's like, of all these guns in this room, he's got the least to worry about them. Yeah, and he's like, maybe the way that we get out of this without killing anyone is that we convince Sela to quit being this scheming Romulan military person and to pursue her dream of writing. Like, <laughs> like she's going to put the pad down and be like, everybody, right? 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 All, all the Romulan guards are like, yes, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, also, Neral has apparently just transformed into a being of pure light and exited this plot entirely. <laughs> yeah. Like, that kind of sucks if you're the pro-council and you can't even be the main bad guy in, like, the plot with the Starfleet, you know? Like, you can't yeah. even be, like, the puppy to the right of Sila. Like, yeah, yeah, I help. Yeah, yeah, we're going to we're gonna mess you up. You're just gone. Just straight up gone. We don't need yeah. you anymore. We're doing Roman politics. This is like making the gladiator without the Joker. Like, yeah. you need to have, like, a politic guy there. Right. Or whatever. Like, he, he's not guy. even a guy with a gun. You could totally be a guy with a gun. <laughs> Neral's like, okay, all right, I'm going to stop being a pro-consul. I'm going to go into my career moonlighting as a Romulan soldier thug guy. And he's like, oh, it's Spock. I got to guard Spock. And Spock's like, you look a lot like 
guy. He's like, no, no, it's fine. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's it, oh, I'm God. someone else. Yeah, totally someone else. <laughs> um, so their plan just... completely falls apart. I like how she's like, "You're gonna read all of these things, Spock," and Spock's like, "I will not read these lies." Yeah, and see those. We'll kill. Look. We'll kill people. <laughs> He's like, "All right." They're not lies, Spock. She makes eye contact with Picard. They're true lies. He's like, oh, that's a good one. We didn't get that in Pop One. <laughs> yeah, true lies is a classic. Yeah. So and so, oh wow! Like, like I was totally right. This is uh, it was Spock. I'm not racist at all. Yeah, you're not racist, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> you get a special badge for that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, like there are a lot of questions I have about the Romulan endgame here. They just thought Spock would roll over and be like, "Yeah, yeah, do it." It's like they had like entered 3D model him, and they were afraid there would be some clipping issues with the software. So, and they didn't have a lot of compute time, so they didn't know if they could write uh, a believable Vulcan uh, narrative uh, with the time they had left on their cloud server. Yeah, I mean, Spock could do it in 15 minutes under pressure, but yeah, you know, the entire <laughs> Romulan army can't do that. Right? Like, and, and that's the thing. Like, we have this conflict, and it's really hard to believe that these specialized had all the time in their world, a completely separate government, assuming these people have the backing of the government, assuming. couldn't, yeah, couldn't create some sort of trap that Data and Spock can't, like, just negate inside of, like, a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have to have the backing of the government. They're not like, look, here's 12 legions and some transport ships. You know, if you invade Vulcan, that's, yeah, that's fine. True. We'll deal with it. You yeah. know, we can do that half-assed. Uh- <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Is like, so th- that's their whole deal. They wanted, to, they wanted Spock to give this speech and say, hey, listen, um, the entire planet of Vulcan is going to totally listen to Spock and they're just going to drop their shields and we're going to show up, land on the planet and they'll never be able to dig us out and we'll win. And really, like, does the, can Spock even do that? I, I mean, I get that he's an ambassador, but I mean, I don't really see anything, any reason why Vulcan's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think we can keep our shields up. Provided we spend most of this episode talking about all of the other holes in their plan. Right. The question is, does Spock have the clout for that and maybe that's why he's been such a sassy bitch on Twitter for the past couple months just getting the clout <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just don't see it I really don't yeah traditional Romulan culture uh, eye roll emoji yeah um, I like, this is a clever plan though like I, I hammer this episode but it's a clever yeah they, they so they really did get uh, Riker's hair messed up that was that's <laughs> I like that I like that they, they went that yeah. far um, because he's, you know, uh, whatchamacall, Park, Picard's about to mention it. Yeah. And they really messed up. It was great. Um, Vulcan neck pinch. Vulcan neck pinch, yeah. And Picard has to just punch a dude. I assume that these things happen kind of contemporaneously and that they don't just, yeah. like, watch Spock neck pinch a dude while waiting for Picard also, to punch him. Also, Seal, like, straight up, like, believed the pacifist that he was gonna, she was gonna get shot. Like, come on, man, call his bluff. Yeah, you apparently don't know anything else about Spock. You should just totally believe he wouldn't shoot. It would be yeah. great if she tried the speech. She's like, you're a pacifist. And she gets shot. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm a pacifist with an asterisk. <laughs> pacifist with a gun. Uh, yeah, so also yeah. true. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. They were going to land troops on Vulcan and just be like, oh, once we're dug in, then you'll have to, like, dig us out again. And I'm like, precedent for that, you know, Russians in Ukraine. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> not Ukraine, the Crimea. Yeah. But still. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I I mean, we're talking about a whole planet and I just don't, it's like, okay, every, yeah. they're, they're dug into random Vulcan city one, every, all good Vulcans, the logical thing to do is evacuate so we can nuke them from orbit. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the most extreme, that's like an outlying strategy that they could take. Yeah. They could just slide a goddamn galaxy class starship in the orbit mess with everything that has shields with their phasers and then just beam those dudes right into space. They're like, all right, <laughs> cool ground invasion, guys. Cool ground invasion. Good job. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Is there not, is there not something in the Starfleet manual that's just a, a tactic? Like, yes, we're going to, we're going to lock on all enemy combatants and just beam them into the sun. Like just teleport them into the sun. Yeah. Without spoiling anything, uh, the impression we get from later Star Trek combat is once you get a ship in orbit, Barring a few specific exceptions, like that's how you win the battle. Ground battles okay. are just waiting for that to happen. Thanks, hon. So, uh, we totally talked over Dr. Crusher's amazing hair and also yeah, her no, close operation. It, was, it her, was on point. And also her close friendship with the switchboard operator for the Enterprise that allows her to get <laughs> distress calls right. before anyone else. Yeah, um, yeah, like, uh, like, uh, we, we, we have a, uh, a priority one message. Um, there, there are five, five levels of priority above priority one. Let's get it to the head of medicine. <laughs> like, you know, that sort of Damocles colony, Delaney is for whatever. And Rock's like, uh, do I? That colony's gonna die like any minute. And she's like, well, it's, it's this minute. That's what's happening. <laughs> this minute is right now. The minute's now. And Rock's like, uh. So, yeah. Yeah, and like, and, like, okay, we have got, we have had scenes where Riker's like, I will destroy, uh, all of my crew, the entire, all the civilians on Starfleet to save Picard. And he's gonna, <laughs> and he's gonna straight up just turn the boat around because someone else needs help. No, he wouldn't. Come on. Picard's like, has his back to the wall on a foreign planet that, that would torch him, you know, without a second thought. Like, he's, he doesn't, he's not gonna leave him. Yeah. And the thing is that he doesn't do anything until Spock gives him the message. So it's like right. the Vulcans talk, the Romulans talk about how they're going to play Riker and they play Riker. And then like, he doesn't even cop to it. Right. And then he does nothing here. He's like, all right, guys, those slow <laughs> troop transports are going to invade. Vul- <laughs> yeah. Oh God, you blew them up. You blew them up. Yeah. I'm little Riker. I've done nothing in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, all right, we'll, we'll follow them and keep pace with them. How fast are they going? Um, like 30 miles an hour? <laughs> Wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, they won't get to Vulcan in like the next 10 years. <laughs> Wait, oh, Wait are we in front of Vulcan right now? Oh, God, this is Vulcan. <laughs> We're supposed to be at Golondon Court. And Georgia's like, I knew it looked different. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's like, logistically, how's that even going to work? Yeah, Whatever. yeah, right. As you can see, Pardex Betrayal has forced us into smaller caves. Right, it's caves where uh, where other people won't know about. It's like, yes, well, the movement needs a figurehead, and I guess that means someone's got to stay back. Yeah, I guess. And Whatever. so Data's like, "Well, we got to bounce in fourteen minutes." Like, okay, cool. Yeah, guys, you guys got to see the Netflix card for next week. We we got to be in it. It's us later. <laughs> yeah. Like it would just be funny dropped everything on the floor and just followed these like people like in the Romulan movement. Yeah. <laughs> Data's like I sympathize with these people. These are truly my homies. My homies. Hmm. 
So, I mean, this is, we get, we get the pseudo closure that we've been kind of working towards this whole episode. Um, you know, he's got Sarek mind meld in his head. And so, um, you know, Spock's telling like, hey, listen, I got to stay here and make them all Vulcans. Well, couldn't they have their own culture? Nah, nah, they got to be Vulcan. I'm convinced now more than ever, Captain Picard, that our exclusionary monoculture can only survive this <laughs> They don't even like you that much, Spock. <laughs> right. Ugh. But let's mind meld and get all this series yeah, yeah. over with two acting faces. Yeah. And like, so like, yeah, he puts his, uh, puts his hand to like Picard's face. He's like, hold up one second. And then like Picard like sets some music. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, bow, 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 bow. We totally talked over that line about uh, eventually arguments were all that we have, which is a great Sarah yeah. Spock line. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how um, they had this relationship of debate that wasn't that neither of them looked at as a hundred percent negative. Like there was yeah. some good in it from their minds, and um, I thought I remember, um, you know, Spock uh, when he's about to do space magic being a little bit more hesitant, but I guess not. I mean, at this point, I mean, he's done melded with the entire original series crew. Oh wow. Um, yeah. He's trying to like put the entire lifetime of emotions into that face, and he's yeah. he's doing pretty good at it, considering. Yeah, he's like, "Yes, uh, I am your papa." I imagine that Picard has a lot of opinions on alcohol now. He's like, "Oh, I have right. Scotty and Kirk and Bones in here, man. You would not believe." <laughs> is, that, is that Chekhov? Oh, wow. Okay, wow. These people did they did they even have livers in that century? Right. Anyway, why are they? They're drinking again. What do they even do? <laughs> Spock, how did you live? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Unification. Part two. Final thoughts. So I felt as if uh, this had a lot of holes. Um, you know, we it, It's almost as if our main plot's really the B-plot. And the B-plot of um, Spock getting kind of closure with Sarek um, is really the A-plot. Um, yeah. Just, just on how much kind of crafting through the narrative we get like we, we they just don't they had they had that whole will riker you know i don't know what you call that not not so much a plot but just like that narrative and 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 <laughs> that real riker the f- sequence of events yeah. and it yeah exactly and they didn't do anything with it like that that could have been like something else entirely and so you kind of get the impression that maybe this was um, had had a lot of time conflicts or time constraints, and maybe they just couldn't give it the quality they wanted to. Um, but, I mean, there's some good bits here. All right. Uh, next week, we are going to be watching A Matter of Time. Right. Uh, so Netflix uh, gives us a, a picture of uh, Beverly Crusher, and she looks like she's talking to uh, Christopher Lloyd, I want to say, but he's in profile. <laughs> so I believe that's Matt Brewer. You, you probably know who he is. The, the lawnmower man. Yeah, I think I know who he is. And this is what we get from Netflix by way of summary. Reaching Panthera 4 after an asteroid wreaks havoc of catastrophic proportions, the Enterprise crew deals with trying to save the planet. Okay. I have a feeling that's not going to be what's happened. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not going to be what the Enterprise crew is dealing with. Well, it's that's just standard. They do that every week, Derek. Yeah, the planet, I know. Like screwed. Enterprise shows up, saves it. Done. Yeah, and so yeah, that's usually like three or four lines of the whole episode. Is while something <laughs> entirely, something completely other is going on. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, and until then, 
remember remember and i'll make this short because no one likes credits star trek is property of cbs television studios and paramount pictures we are watching star trek on netflix we are talking over discord and we are recording and editing on audacity the beige and the bold is hosted on anchor and can be found on most podcasting platforms i would also like to thank our senior officer patreons for supporting the beige and the bold they also make video editions of this podcast and remasters of old episodes possible. So thank you to Tracker by Moonlight and Miss Jess. If you have any questions or concerns about the show, please contact me at vanvelding at gmail.com or on Twitter at vanvelding. Thank you and remember Rand.